Amen. All right. Boy, I appreciate that song. I haven't sung that in a long time. We didn't, we didn't have that song in Peru, at least not to my knowledge, and, uh, or in Italy, matter of fact. But uh, that last verse, nothing preventing the least of his favor, keep the way clear, let nothing between. Boy, what a, what a message in song. I, I'm telling you, these songs, they are just filled with messages and filled with truth and filled with so many good things. Think about the words uh, when we sing those songs and don't ever get used to them. Uh, don't ever just sing them um, flippantly and, and just out of, we can, we can run into a, a monotonous groove where we just sing it because that's what we've always done and we don't think about the words and we don't consider the message and, and don't ever get to that place. Uh, it's good to know the songs, but, uh, and, and I, I encourage you to know the songs, but boy, think about the words uh, that we sing. What a message, what a tremendous message in song. If you have your Bibles, in, open up to Romans chapter number 2. Romans 2. And uh, we'll continue working our way through the book of Romans. And we've, uh, as we're looking through Romans, I would remind you, as I have several times, that it is written to uh, all the saved that were in Rome and, uh, and, and you'll find as we go through the book of Romans, as I've said a few times, that uh, he's writing to the, the Jews and the Gentiles uh, distinctly. And, and he's kind of expressing a difference between the two uh, because it was very necessary. I mean, if you had a Jewish religious sect uh, that had been the main religion and then all of a sudden Christianity comes onto the scenes with Jesus Christ as it did in their day, the Jews really stumbled at that. And they had a hard time giving up the law of the Old Testament. They, it was so ingrained in them, they had done it their whole life, that they really struggled with that. And, uh, and the Gentiles, of course, they were ignorant to the law. And, and so they had no idea of that stuff. Matter of fact, many of them were polytheistic. They had many different gods. And so they would, their mindset was totally different. And, and those two mindsets, boy, you can see how they would really clash. They would really butt heads on a lot of the ideas. And so Paul is really trying to help reconcile these two mindsets and these two ideas between the Jewish religious people and the Gentile that would be polytheistic. And so here in, in Romans, chapter number 2, in verse number 12, the whole first part of the chapter we covered last week, and, and he's talking about the judgment of God, and we'll pick it up in verse number 12. And he says here in, in Romans 2.12, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be signed by the law. I'm sorry, judged. I misread that. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Let me just stop here in verse 13 and point out that this is a parenthetical statement. He starts out in verse number 13. That would be the parentheses that is at the very beginning of that verse. And he goes on all the way to verse 15, and he is clarifying the statement that he just made in verse number 12. So we're going to look at that and we're going to understand that, but I want to point that out as we're reading it. Verse number 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. 
which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. And then verse 16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. And let's stop right there tonight and, uh, and let's pray and then we'll get into the message. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity that we have, the privilege really that we have, Father, to study your word, to be a student of your word and to understand and to grow and to draw closer to you, Father, through a knowledge of, of what you've written in your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. God, I pray that you would help me to, uh, to teach and, and help every uh, hearer to understand, God, the, uh, the words that are contained here and the phrases and help us to uh, grow closer to you, Father, because of what we read in this passage. And Father, we'll thank you for that and we'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we pick through these passages, uh, Paul can be kind of deep in some of these. And, uh, and, and as we read them, I want us to notice just a few things out of this passage. I really wanted to cover more, uh, but I, as I read that, I thought, boy, just, just going through that will take us a little bit. And I want it to be clear and I want it to be understandable. So verse number 12, let's start there. Uh, he says, for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. Let's hold on that phrase. We'll cover that next. But then he goes on and he says, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. I want to take just that phrase and understand uh, that he is a, he's the, in that phrase, he is, of course, speaking about the Jewish population. Uh, and when he says the law, he is speaking expressly of the Old Testament law. He's speaking of uh, the book of Exodus and uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, that the law is contained therein. Uh, we, many people say, well, you know, um, we, we live by the, uh, by the Ten Commandments. Uh, and, and the Ten Commandments, they're important, don't get me wrong. Uh, and I like that they, are, uh, that they are printed in our government houses. I don't like that they're taking them out down. I don't like that they're taking them out of our uh, schoolhouses and that they're taking them out of our society and trying to erase them. That bothers me. But I want us to understand this too, that the law, as we look at this, this the, in this phrase we can see the light of the law. That's what I, I dubbed here, the light of the law. Um, we can see the extensiveness of the law. The law is more than just Ten Commandments. By the way, most people who uh, think that they're living according to Ten Commandments probably cannot name all ten of them. And that's how you know they're not living in accordance to the law because they don't even know the law. And it's impossible to live in accordance to a law that you do not know. And so, uh, so the law is very extensive. Matter of fact, the law is very severe. If you've read, uh, if you're reading through your Bible, and I encourage you to do that, and I encourage you to read through uh, even the Old Testament books, there's so much information and there's so many pictures that point forward to the New Testament. The Bible says in Corinthians that uh, they're, they're given for our learning. And, uh, and so there's a lot of value in that. Now, I'll be honest with you and I'll be frank with you. Sometimes it is not enjoyable to read through the book of uh, Leviticus, all right? Uh, it's just not. Uh, it's a lot of laws. It's a lot of rules. It's a lot of regulations that do not uh, necessarily, we don't live by today. We don't follow those laws. 
Uh, matter of fact, uh, I guarantee every one of you sitting in this room tonight is breaking one of those laws. And that's you're not supposed to mix cloth together. You're not supposed to wear, um, well, they don't say it this way, but I'm just going to say it this way. You're not supposed to wear cotton and polyester. <gasps> My shirt is both cotton and polyester. I'm one piece of clothing. I've broke the law of the Old Testament. And what I'm saying is people don't realize how extensive the law was. The Jews, on the other hand, they knew how extensive the law was. They lived it. I mean, they, it was their job uh, to follow the law. I mean, that was their religious ordinance. And there are more than 500 laws written down in the Old Testament. My dad said one of the ones that I, I always thought was interesting, dad modernized for me, is, is you're not supposed to plow with an ox and an ass together. My dad said, that means you shouldn't own a Chevy and a Ford. You should own one or the other, but you shouldn't own both, Amen. Uh, because, uh, hey, that's kind of the modernization of it. And, uh, and so uh, we certainly don't know all of those laws. But the Jews, they did. They knew how severe those laws were. They knew how, how rigid that law was. Matter of fact, the Bible says in James chapter number 2 and verse number 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. And so they understood that. They knew that. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament law, uh, oftentimes, uh, very frequently, they were required to take a sin offering uh, to the priest and, and, and make an atonement for whatever law they had broken. And so they were very aware uh, of the law and how severe it was. I was looking up this afternoon. I was just thinking about it. And I looked up the word grace in the Old Testament. And I found it kind of interesting because the word grace only shows up 39 times in the Old Testament. Isn't that interesting? There's only 39 books in the Old Testament. And it's not as simple as you would think, not just one time per book, all right? That would be too simple and very nice, but it's not. But it shows up the majority of the time talking about, and he found grace. Remember Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, and that's mostly what it's dealing with. And it's not even dealing with God and man. It's dealing mostly with uh, man and other man. If I would but find grace in his eyes. If I would but find grace uh, for this person that maybe they will let me purchase the land. And that's the bulk of what it's talking about. But you know what's odd? Well, it's not odd in reality. The word grace doesn't show up in the law. Why? Because the law is rigid. It's severe. It's not about grace. It's not about extending uh, grace to uh, those who, who are, are not worthy of it or, or, or earning of it. Not that we're worthy of it because we're not, but, uh, but it, it, there is no grace in the law. The law was very severe. Not only that, but I want you to notice this about the law because sometimes we're very ignorant about the law. I want you to notice just a few things. We're not going to go through them all. I looked these up the other day and I was impressed by them. The law's limitation. Did you know this? That the law cannot justify man. We're talking about the Old Testament law. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 13. Save your spot in Romans. We'll be back there. Acts chapter number 13. In verse number 38, Acts 13, 38, the Bible says this. We're talking about the law and how severe it was uh, and that it, it's not able to justify. Acts 13, 38, the Bible says this. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, 
that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And you can trace that back, and he's talking about Jesus Christ. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. And so we find that there was not justification under the law of Moses. Jesus Christ introduced justification to us. And so uh, the, the law could not justify. The law could not redeem. Turn with me over to, to Galatians chapter 3. We'll spend a little bit of time here in Galatians 3. We'll look at more than just one verse. But I want you to notice that in, uh, in Acts we find that, hey, we, that Jesus Christ justifies and the law could not justify. Galatians chapter number 3. And look with me at verse number 13. Not only can the law not justify, but the law cannot redeem us. In Galatians 3, of course, the book of Galatians is dealing expressly with the, the Judaizer Christians. And he says here in, in, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 13, he said, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the, a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. The law was not able to redeem people. We need to understand that. The Jews needed to understand that. Look at in verse number 2 there uh, in Galatians chapter 3. He says, This only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's a rhetorical question. He's saying, listen, the law did not give the Spirit of God. That was the promise of Jesus. Jesus promised that after he would leave, the Comforter would come. And the Comforter did come. And, uh, and he came at, at that day of Pentecost. It was a wonderful day. And listen, now every time a person accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within him. The law couldn't do that. So the law couldn't justify. The law couldn't redeem. The law couldn't provide the Holy Spirit. The law couldn't. There was a lot of things that the law couldn't do. The law could not free them from condemnation. Uh, Romans 8, we, we don't have, you don't have to turn there, but uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. The law couldn't do that for them because the law was rigid and the law was very limited. Well, then where was the light of the law? Well, right there in Galatians 3, if you're still there, verse 24, it says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. You know what the law was for? The law pointed out to mankind that you are not perfect. Ironically, the Jewish people became very prideful in that law. And they became prideful of everything that they did. And the Pharisees, obviously, uh, not all of the Jewish people, but the Pharisaical crowd uh, became very puffed up uh, with, with the law of the Old Testament and said, well, I'm really something. And, and they thought they were. Uh, but what I'm saying is the law taught mankind that we're not perfect. They realized that. The majority of them, Man, I, I broke this law again. Now i got to get another sacrifice. I have to go to the temple. 
uh, man, I broke this law, and they had to be careful. Uh, did you know that on the Sabbath day, uh, they could only take so many steps? They could only go so far. Uh, they, there was, there's just so many limitations that we don't understand the law because we've never been subjected to it. We live under the Gentile ideas and, uh, and the Gentile form of mind. And, and the Jews, they understood that, and it pointed them to the fact that, hey, we are not perfect, we need a Savior. That's the whole idea of the law. And that was the light of the law, was to allow the Jewish mindset, the religious Jewish mindset, to understand that uh, they sinned regularly under the law. That's what he's saying here in verse number 12. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. And it was revealed that they needed a Savior. By the way, even in the law, uh, the Savior was revealed. And that's why John the Baptist, I love the portion when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and he says, Behold, the Lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. Because they knew that there, was, there would be a sacrifice. They knew, they knew there was a promised Messiah. Uh, they knew, uh, the woman at the well, she knew. She said, Hey, uh, behold, the Messiah cometh. Uh, and, will, and, and, and Jesus said, I who speak to thee am he. And, uh, and, and that was the Messiah. They knew there was a Messiah coming. They knew there was a sacrifice coming. And they knew that because the law had taught them we're not perfect. We need a sacrifice. And so there was the light of the law. And, and Paul is pointing that out here in Romans chapter 12 or chapter 2 and verse number 12. So we have the light of the law there. Look at verse number 12 again, that first phrase that we skipped. The Bible says, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. Now that seems rather contradictory. And Matthew Henry said, well, that does sound very contradictory, but it's not. Uh, and he goes on to explain it. And the parenthetical statement, he very much so clarifies that. So we have in that first phrase, we have the law of or the light of the law, in the second phrase, or the first phrase really of chapter, verse 12, we have the light of nature. And he clarifies that in verses 13, 14, and 15. The light of nature is this. He says in verse 13, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law are, are, uh, shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these have not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the works of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Generally, in societies, Gentile societies, uh, it's generally understood, one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. I mean, people don't just run around killing mankind. Why is that? Uh, now, there are some uh, obviously wicked people, and obviously they would, but by and large, society on a whole looks down upon that. Uh, why is that? Because there is a conscience inside of man. He had described this also in, in Romans 1. We kind of talked about this, and, and we see that, that... Uh, uh, the things were revealed inside of man. Not only that, but look at verse number 20, Romans 1.20. For the invisible things of him 
from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Not only the revelation of the conscience, we'll look at that a little more in depth, but the revelation of creation as well. And he's pointed that out in Romans 1, and we covered that. Uh, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. And, and by looking around at nature, man can determine, hey, there is a God and there is something bigger out there. Uh, you know, man has, uh, we've, we talked about that in Romans 1, but man has gone so far to draw wrong conclusions from nature. Um, I heard a, a scientist one time, he said this, he said, it's amazing how people can draw wrong conclusions and he gives this example he says if you have a frog he said science says all right let's watch this frog let's observe this frog and let's see what he does and so they put the frog down and he jumped and so they got a tape measure out they measured how far that frog could jump and they said well okay he jumped I don't know how far it was let's say 10 inches whatever I don't know he jumped uh, he jumped 10 inches and they said all right let's try a test they said let's cut off one of his foots so they cut off one of the foots of the frog. They set that frog down, and he jumped. He didn't quite make it 10 inches. He only made it like 7 inches. And they said, okay, write that down. This frog jumped 7 inches. All right, let's cut off another foot. They cut off another foot, set that frog down. He kind of jumped, and he didn't do too well, and, uh, and he only made it a couple inches. They said, all right. He said, let's cut off that last foot. We're down to one foot, if I did my math right. And he said, let's put that frog down and let's see. And, and they determined that a frog with no feet can't jump. What a conclusion. They figured that out. Aren't you glad you paid for that kind of research right there? But they draw crazy conclusions. You know what? The world looks at society and they see... They see, well, look at we've got a little, uh, a little tiny dog, uh, a little chihuahua, and then we've got great big Great Danes, and we've got great big uh, uh, bull mastiffs, and, and we've got all these other big dogs, and, and man, they must have evolved. And, they, and within the breed, because the Bible does say that they shall reproduce after their kind, there is some kind of change that can take place. You can take two big dogs and breed them and continue to breed them and you can take and separate out the colors that you want and the, the characteristics that you want and you can take and, and narrow it down uh, to the kind of dog that you want. Within that kind, you will get that. But it doesn't ever change from one form to another. You'll never take two dogs and breed them and get a cat. It doesn't happen. Uh, they're different. But yet man will look at all of that and they'll draw the conclusion, well, must be that we came from two little uh, uh, atoms that were, that were in a, a pond and they bumped together and they turned into a little fish. And then that fish grew legs and they turned into a, a four-footed creature. And then that four-footed creature turned into this. And, and they've drawn all these conclusions that are anti-God because that's, what they that's the conclusion they want to come to. But it's not, it's not anything that has to do with Bible. The Bible says that man can look at creation and draw a conclusion that there is a God. We know that. We've looked at that. 
But then in this passage, we see that man has a conscience within him. And, and, and that God has uh, given man that conscience within him so that he knows in society, listen, that it's wrong to murder somebody else. And there's certain uh, things that are wrong within societies. And some societies will change and some societies. But by and large, there's rules within society that they have come up with that, uh, that don't line up 100% with the Word of God. But there's many characteristics that would go with God's Word. And what he's saying in verses 14 and 15 is that because of that conscience, by nature they determine that there is this law, and therefore when they go against that law, they're sinning. And there is sin that exists. And so he's saying that, listen, there is sin outside of the law. Just because the Gentile people do not have the law of God does not mean that they cannot sin. He's very clear that they do sin, and they do have sin. Not only that, but listen, uh, we talked about this in, in Romans 1 as well, but a man can sear his conscience. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 2, speaking lies in hypocrisies, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In other words, you deny God so much in your life that you turn him off. That it no longer feels wrong to do things that are wrong. That's what he's saying. Uh, that, listen, that some of them have gone to that extreme. And, uh, and man, in general, uh, does not like to retain God. But why? Because God is light. And God reproves sin. And, and that's not desirable to man. I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and, uh, and I was talking to him about salvation. And, and, uh, and I said, well, wouldn't you like to be saved? And, and he said, no. He said, you know what? He said, I, I still like to carry on. He said, I like to have a beer. I like to do this and do that. You know, a man doesn't want to be saved because they love their sin, to be honest with you. Most people won't tell you that, but that's the bottom line. That's where they're at. They don't want to think about God because they don't want that uh, in their life. They don't want to be changed. And we find that, uh, listen, that, that, that God is being kicked out of society. Why? Because the people who have rejected God don't want their kids even to find out about God. And so they'll rewrite education. They'll change all of it. They'll make sure that, hey, uh, their kids are excluded, or God's excluded from their education, and, and they'll come up with all kinds of ways to cover it. Why? Because man has seared his conscience, and he wants away from God, and, and yet the Bible is very clear that there is this conscience and a light of nature that reveals, hey, there is a God. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 12.1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in that. You know, Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. Why? Because children are more natural believers. Uh, I was, when I was talking to this fella, he said, uh, he said, it's kind of interesting how we got into church. He said, my, my daughter he said, was spending the night at, at a friend's house and, and, uh, and she found out that there was no Santa Claus. Let me just stop here and say this. Don't tell your kids there's a Santa Claus. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. We'll stop there. He found out, so she found out there was no Santa Claus. And you know what she did? She said, I want to find out where did Christmas come from? Praise the Lord. 
hey, that's what we want, that's what we want to encourage, tell people where Christmas came from. And, and so she started looking it up, and, and she found out, hey, it is the celebration of Jesus' birth. And she said, Dad, I want to go to church. And they got into church because she was curious. Listen, uh, kids are more naturally inclined to believe that there is a God. Why? Because God's revealed it to them. And it says, uh, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. When you shut off God in your life, and you shut off God in your life, and the more you keep shutting off God, and the more you keep shutting out God out of your life, the easier it becomes to live in sin and the more you live in sin the more you have seared your conscience to say I'm not going to follow God and it distances you from God in your life and it becomes a problem that's why listen it's so important to bring up our young people in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to teach them the word of God that's why it's so important. That's why we have Sunday school classes. That's why we send our kids to camp. That's why we do what we can to try and help and encourage and nurture young people in this church. Why? Because they need to learn about God while they're young, before their conscience is seared, before they've shut off God in their life, before they've gotten out in the world and been indoctrinated with the sinful wickedness that's in the world, that they would obey and follow the word of God in their life. Hey, they'll be far better off if they'll follow God when they're young. And there's a light of nature that's revealed and, and men shut it off in their life because they don't want to hear about God. We find the light of the law. We find the light of the conscience. And in verse number 16, he says this, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That verse is interesting, and I want you to see the light of the gospel. The gospel includes God's judgment. Some people want to. I've, I've heard many different soul-winning seminars and different, uh, and, and listen, there's value in learning how to talk to people. I, I don't deny that, uh, but, but I've heard some that are, uh, man, they only want to talk about the love of God and don't mention sin and don't bring up anything negative and don't bring up anything like that. Uh, listen, if there's, if there's no hell and if there's no sin and there's no judgment, there's no need for salvation. What are we saved from? The fact of the matter is, uh, he says here in verse number 16, the day in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. There is a judgment that is coming. The Bible says in Hebrews 9:27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Most people do not know what is going to take place when they die. They don't have any clue. They don't understand what is coming after death. And I like to tell people, listen, you need to prepare uh, for death because I'll tell you this, here's a frank truth, uh, you're going to be dead far longer than you're alive. How long do you think you're going to live? Well, let's say you have a really prosperous life. Let's say you live uh, out the maximum of your years and you have the greatest health and you live 120 years. Has it occurred to you that Peter today has been dead for almost 2,000 years? It's a little bit longer than 120 years. 
Has it occurred to you that, that Adam and Eve, uh, they've been dead now for almost 6,000 years according to the Bible? And what I'm saying is eternity is a long time and you're going to spend a lot more time dead than you're going to spend alive in this life. We better be preparing for what's coming up next because I'm telling you it's going to go on for all of eternity. There's no end to it. And we find out that, hey, there's a judgment coming for those who have not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation 20 and verse number 11. And this is the, the judgment that Jesus is, or that Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter number 2. He's talking about the great white throne judgment seat of Christ when every man will stand before God. And listen, uh, Revelation chapter number 20 and verse number 11. And the Bible says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Let me stop right here, and let me encourage every believer, every person who's been born again and been saved. You know that this is not talking to you, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because, listen, we sing songs like uh, Face to Face, and we look forward to seeing the face of our Savior. Uh, as somebody who's been saved and born again and knows that I have the assurance that, hey, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven, I don't fear the face of Jesus. I look forward to seeing the face of Jesus. But here in verse number 11, these people, the Bible says in verse number 11, uh, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. They were fleeing because they did not want to see the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds like a bunch of people who have seared their conscience. That sounds like a people that, that know that they're not saved and they're not right with God. And they're, they're, their life has never been, uh, uh, they've never been born again. And they're, they're not looking forward to this day. And they want to flee away, but there's nowhere to hide. The Bible says in verse number 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's a judgment day. And listen... The end of that judgment day is a lake of fire that will go on for all of eternity. And what Paul is saying back here in Romans 2 in verse number 16, he said, in the days when God shall judge the secrets of men. Isn't it amazing? People think that they can keep secrets from God. I remember one day I came to the church here, and I think it was nighttime, and and I, I saw a car out in the back parking lot. Occasionally I'll swing through and I just pull through. And, um, and I saw a car sitting back there. And I thought, well, that's strange. And so I went back there to see. I thought somebody left their car back there. I didn't know. I go back there and, and, uh, and pretty soon uh, I'm just kind of looking. I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to write the license plate down. I don't know who it is or anything. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden um, I see a head pop up. I'm like, there's people in that car. And all of a sudden, man, they start that thing up, and they, 
they disappear. Wouldn't you think if you're going to do something stupid in a car, in a dark parking lot, you wouldn't pick God's parking lot to do that? I mean, he's going to see you anyway, but pick God's parking lot? I was just kind of blown away at that. But you know, people try to hide their sin. They do. We do the same thing. We try to hide our sin. We try to cover it up. And the Bible says that, uh, listen, that, that everything will be exposed to God. God knows every single thing about our life. Isn't that a sobering thought? And that these people will be judged by God. The secret things, it says there in verse number 16. The secrets of men by Jesus Christ. And there is a judgment, there is a judge, and that is God. There is a judgment day, and it comes after death. And there is a punishment, and it is a place called hell. It is a lake of fire that will last for all of eternity. And listen, Paul says here in verse 16, and he says, uh, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now I want you to understand, Paul doesn't have a different gospel than what is preached. Matter of fact, he says in chapter 1 and verse number 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's the same gospel that Paul is preaching, but he wants them to understand that, listen, he has taken this as a personal gospel, personal in that, number one, he's been saved and he's been born again. It applies to him. He's grateful for that salvation. But number two, it's personal because he wants to proclaim it to every lost person on the face of the earth. He says, I want, I want this gospel to get out. I want people to know about this gospel. He didn't have a different gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. And listen, it was personal in that he claimed responsibility and he wanted everyone to, to, to uh, hear the gospel. You know, in Matthew 28, it says, Go ye into all the world. It says in Mark chapter number 16 and 15, it says, Go ye. In Luke 24, 47, And that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Hey, and if we would take to heart the gospel like Paul took to heart, and we would take the gospel to the lost and dying world, and we would take it upon ourselves to witness to every person that we run into, and it is our responsibility. How are they going to hear? Who's going to tell them if we don't? Who's going to, uh, to, to give them the gospel if we don't? I'll never forget, I was in a missions conference one time, and I don't remember exactly how it went, but I remember they asked that question, who's going to go if, if we don't go? And it was just a short little skit thing that they had, and and they said, I know who's going to go. And pretty soon somebody came across the platform in that door and he held up a little sign and it said, Jehovah's Witness. And he walked across the stage. He said, they'll go. Who's going to go? And then pretty soon outside the door, another one come and Mormon and he walked across the stage. He said, he'll go. And they said, who's going to go? And, and another one came out and another sign and another. And, and they said, all of these people do not have the truth and we have the truth, we have a responsibility to go. Because if we don't, they will. And can I tell you, in every mission field, in every third world country, 
and every place that I went, they are going. All those other places, they are going. And we need to go. And we need to proclaim the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we take it on ourselves like Paul took it and say it's my gospel that I'm responsible to get to the lost and dying world and that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that these people could be saved and and they don't have to end up in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11 fleeing before the face of God. They can end up with a personal knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and have a salvation experience in their life that would change their life. They can be saved and they can be born again. They can spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the light of the gospel in verse number 16 that Paul wanted it preached throughout all the world. The law, the light of the law. Verse 12, the light of the conscience that God has revealed within man and man uh, does have within himself some form of conscience. And then the light of the gospel in verse number 16 that, hey, we have a responsibility to go to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. I said this, that in Mark or Matthew 28, it says, go ye. In in Mark 16, 15, it says, go ye. We're not going to do that by sitting here in our church. We have to get out. We have to get the gospel outside of these walls. And it's good. I bring visitors. But the reality is, God said, hey, we've got to go out to them. We've got to go out to the streets. We've got to go to the workplaces. We've got to go to where they are at and give them the gospel where they are at. They can get saved and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, the light of the gospel. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. God, the light of the law does reveal that, hey, there is a need for salvation. There is a need for a savior. There is a need for the sacrificial lamb of Jesus Christ to shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. The light of the conscience does say within man that there are certain things that are wrong and immoral and not right. And yet man so often sears his conscience shuts God off in his life. Then there's the light of the gospel. And oh God, how we ought to take it to the lost and dying world. Each and every person needs to hear and needs to know where they're going to spend eternity. Help us to be witnesses. Help us to take it personally. God, if there's one person here that does not know you as their own personal Savior, I pray, Father, they would put their faith and trust in you even this evening. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we have just a short hymn of invitation. The altar is open. If God's spoken to your heart, gospel needs preached everywhere. May God challenge our hearts. May God help us to be witnesses. May God help us to be soul winners. On Monday, we go to work. 
Tuesday when we go to the grocery store. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day of the week. May we reach out to the lost and dying world.